Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about how to keep track of all your different students' progress. Welcome back, lovely teachers. I hope you've had a fabulous week or weekend if you're just coming out of one. So today's topic is inspired by an article which is over on the blog today. It's called The Piano Teacher Notes Transformation. This is a guest article, so I didn't write it, but inspired by this system that our guest writer was sharing, I thought I'd share with you how we keep track in my studio because it's actually not that different to what Ruth is describing in this article. So first of all, let's talk about the motivation for keeping track, (laughs) because this challenge that Ruth set herself is a really great idea. What she decided to do was to keep track of what every student was doing in their lesson for an entire semester. So this isn't lesson planning, this is actually keeping track after the fact, but soon after the fact, writing down what pieces she did and other details about the lesson. And that's something we do every week in my studio. But I know it can sound overwhelming and it can sound like a lot to get into if you've never done it before to try and set up a system that you're going to use forever. So I love this idea of setting a challenge to yourself of doing it for a semester, or you could do it for a month. Just say, okay, all this month, I'm going to keep track of every student because it does feel like quite a lot. And I know it's something that does take a bit of stick to both for motivating myself to do it every single week, for making sure that the teachers who work here stay on top of it. In general, if they've been with me for a little while, they're pretty good at it. But I do have to check up on these things because it's really easy to fall behind. Like I understand when they do fall behind, but it makes such a difference to the preparation. When some teachers here do fall behind on our system, I'll explain to you how it works in a second. But when teachers do fall behind on it a little bit, try and rewrite what they would have written for the past several weeks or whatever, like what happened in that lesson for two or three weeks back, the notes are a lot less meaningful, they tend to just repeat themselves, and things are missed out. So it really does have to be every week to make a big impact. So the system we use is actually a Google Sheet, and we have a tab for each student. Now, before I start describing this, please know that if you are a Vibrant Music Teaching member, there is a template for this and a video where I show how we fill it in. 
in the training library. So you can go there to check it out. Just look for the weekly progress tracking sheet. So in this sheet, so you can visualize it as you listen to the podcast episode, on the left, there are two columns. The first column says week one, week two, week three, going all the way down. And then the second column has the date of that week. So I like to change these dates to be the actual lesson day it's going to be for that student. So we have a tab for each student and each one of these sheets looks like this. So let's say we have this particular tab and it's for Stephen. Okay, we don't have a student named Stephen in my studio. So let's say this tab is for Stephen. It will have week one, week two, week three, all the way up to uh, 34, which is our number of weeks at the moment per year. And then the dates of, let's say Stephen has lessons on a Wednesday, it'll have all the Wednesday dates to correspond to those weeks in the second column. So skipping over the weeks where we have a break or something like that in the studio. And then we have columns that we fill in each week. So the first column says current pieces, the pieces they're actually practicing at the moment. I find this really useful to track here. We do also have this information inside our practice app, right? So wherever you keep notes for your students' assignments or whatever, you'll probably have this information as well. But I like to have it doubled up here just as a little list of the current pieces because it helps teachers to see, which is a common issue, and helps flag other issues when pieces are repeating for way longer than they should be, when they're staying on the assignment list for six weeks and they're a simple piece, that says to us, either this student is really struggling with this level of repertoire and they need to sidestep maybe, or this piece is more challenging than we think, if we're just not recognizing the challenge in it, or this student is not practicing. <laughs> That's the most common reason where the pieces get repeated again and again. So when we start to see that, it helps us say, hang on, is this student practicing? And of course, we have other ways of figuring that out. But this is just one more way to really highlight, is this student practicing as much as they should be or at all? And what can we do to help the parent get them on board with practicing? Or if they're an older student, help them figure out their schedule so that they can practice. The next column is practice. So this is where we note what we think about practice during the week, like did it go well? Was there something that they seem to have not done and other things that they did do more? You know how students will sometimes just practice one piece that they're absolutely in love with and ignore everything else. Or if they just ignored their scale practice or something like that. We also tend to note here if they haven't logged into the practice app that we use in a while. We'll note that here because we need, again, to follow up, make sure they have access to a device that can use the practice app so that they're not missing out on the information of what they need to practice and how they need to practice and the audio tracks and the videos, right? It's not just a list of assignments. It's so much more than that. So that's what we note in that column. Then we have oral in the next column. So if we did listening work in the, in the lesson, we'll note here how that went or what we did. And in any of these types of columns, if we just didn't get to it that week, I'll just put NA, not applicable. The next column is memory. So again, if they're working on memorizing a piece, which most of our students are most of the time, either memorizing a written piece or a rote piece that we're teaching to them, you know, entirely by rote, we'll note about that here and whether they remembered what we did last week, whether they had trouble remembering the patterns in the lesson. Next, we have reading. So how are they going with their reading? And this includes rhythm reading. So we'll make notes about, you know, whether they're 
doing well with remembering note names, finding their starting notes, reading through intervals well, whether they are ignoring rhythms in their piece, all the common reading issues. Again, dependent on their level and where they're up to. Next is theory. And this is where we'll note any struggles they're having with theory concepts and understanding things. And also where we'll note if they didn't do their written theory homework. We have a policy, by the way, in my studio that if they don't do their written work um, during the week, we have to do it in the lesson. And it basically takes the place of what would have been their favorite part of the lesson. Yeah, it's a little bit of a punishment, I guess, but we also just need to get that theory homework done. So we will end up skipping something or cutting something slightly short so that we can do it right there in the lesson. If it's something that takes a really long time, we'll just start it in the lesson and then insist that they do it at home if it's a one-off occurrence. But if it is something they're doing every week, we will only assign them one page of theory per week. And if they don't do it, always do it, the whole thing in the lesson. And again, let it take the place of something different, hopefully every week, but something that they enjoy and make it clear that that's what's happening. Our next column is technical exercises. So this is where we note about their progress with the piano safari animal techniques and then their progress with the scales or arpeggios or chord exercises they're working on at the moment. Next is technique. So this is specifically about how they're playing. It's not the scales and stuff. It's, is their posture okay? Do we need to talk to them about bench height or distance? Are their fingertips collapsing? Are their wrists too low? All that kind of stuff. And then we have space for other notes and then a space for books, cards or resources needed so that we can quickly jot down, oh, hey, they need the next level of the sight reading cards or something like that. So that is how we keep track of our students. We have a tab for each one. All of my own students and all of the students of other teachers here. So all 70 or so students are in this one sheet, which means that if they're stuck or they like the other teachers are stuck on what to write or they're not sure about something, they can go ahead and look at my tabs, which also means that I have to keep them up to date because I have to practice what I preach. So I think that's good accountability for me. It's like they're accountable to me, obviously, because I'll check up that they are doing what they're supposed to do as part of their job, but also I'm a bit accountable to them. I don't know if they'll look at them, but they can. So I need to lead by example. So that's the basic overview of how we keep track. If you don't have any kind of system like this for keeping track, if you don't take any notes about what happened in your student's lesson in any way, like it doesn't have to be a sheet like mine or a doc like Roots or any other particular format. But if you don't have some kind of journaling or note tracking system, I highly suggest you start. I know it's an extra investment of time. I know it's hard to fit it in. But honestly, I feel like our students deserve it. Because once you try this out for like a month or so, you'll see the difference it makes to you spotting those little things. The little things that you say to yourself, oh yeah, I meant to do that. I thought about that last week. And you forgot it. And then in the next lesson, you think again, oh, we really need to start on that. I keep forgetting, right? So if you don't have some way of tracking those little things, making sure you know how long your students have been on certain pieces and how they're tracking with different areas like oral and memory work and reading. So it's not just all about the things that are immediately apparent to you in the lesson, but that you are accountable, I guess, to yourself 
for the various different aspects of what you want to prioritize in your lessons, it really makes such an enormous difference. On a similar note, but maybe a bigger ask, if you really want to improve your teaching, the ultimate best thing you could do for your teaching is to video record your lessons for a week. I wouldn't ask you to do this for a month, but do it for one week. Or maybe do it for a whole one month if you love it and you want to keep going. But for one week, every so often, video record all your lessons and watch them back. Again, big time investment. I get it. But we do this again in my studio. We, um, I've obviously video recorded many of my lessons because members will see clips of them inside the library. So you know that I've video recorded many, many, many of them to get those clips for you. But three times a year, teachers here record all their lessons that they teach at the studio. So I set up the video camera for them and we leave it on all day. I watch them back and I give feedback on them. And I encourage them as strongly as I can to watch the lessons themselves, to watch themselves back and to read the feedback in detail and associate the two things together. Please, please understand me when I say that I know how painful it is to watch yourself. And I think people, you might be thinking, oh, it's easy for you to say. You record videos all the time. Or maybe you think I'm good at recording videos. I don't know. But honestly, that's only come that ability to watch myself back, to edit my own videos, to record live videos without breaking too much of a sweat, I guess. That only comes with practice. And you don't need to broadcast your videos to anyone. But if you watch them yourself, it will make an enormous difference on your teaching. So there are two things that you can do. Journaling or note taking for every one of your lessons for a month. Or video recording your teaching for a week. <laughs> two challenges for you that would make a huge difference to the quality of your teaching. And you'll be surprised the things you pick up through that. Your one thing this week is no surprise, it's two things. Make a choice. Either video record all your lessons for a full week or take notes on all your lessons for a whole month and then report back and let us know how it went. I would love to hear how you get on with these challenges. Do come find me over on Instagram. We're at Colorful Keys. That's colorful with two U's. I would love to chat to you there or in the comments on this article, which is on the Colorful Keys blog at colorfulkeys.ie slash blog. I'll see you over there. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.